One of the first type scenes, or conventions, in scripture that we're going to look at is annunciations. Annunciation is a Latin word that essentially means announcement. But for the original biblical readers, what would they have expected when an announcement was made to someone from a messenger of God? What would they have expected the message to be? To whom and for what purpose would they have expected the message to be delivered? And do we get announcements from God today? The bottom line, in understanding annunciations, we may realize an angel is making an announcement to us as well. You're listening to The Way with Father Dustin Lyon, a podcast of the Ephesus School Network. to The Way Podcast. I'm your host, Father Dustin. Last week, we began a series on type scenes. Type scenes are elements of a story that the readers or audience expect to hear. In short, they are literary conventions. For example, we expect to hear once upon a time when hearing the opening of a fairy tale, and in the end, we want to hear, and they lived happily ever after. Now, obviously, biblical type scenes are much more complex than the opening and closing sentences of a story. They are much more like the example we looked at last week, how, in Western movies, we expect to see the sheriff or hero of our story to be an extraordinary gunslinger and to outshoot the bad guy every time. The biblical type scene that I want to look at today is the Annunciation. The word itself is late Middle English, but it originates from Latin and means to announce. So, an enunciation is simply an announcement. Most of us are probably familiar with this term and associate it with the Feast of Annunciation, which is celebrated on March 25th every year. This feast is when the angel Gabriel appears to the Virgin Mary and tells her that she has found favor with God and that she will bear a son which he should name Jesus. And of course, the Virgin Mary responds with the Magnificat. This is perhaps the most famous annunciation in history, but it wasn't the first. The first hearers of the Gospel of Luke would have been familiar with other annunciations. They would have recognized that this annunciation was following a particular convention, and they would have been expecting particular elements in the story. What annunciations, you ask? Well, let's take a look at one of the first ones to appear in the Bible. We're going all the way back to Genesis. This is the annunciation of God to Hagar. As we know, Abraham and Sarah, though at this point in the story they are still called Abram and Sarai, don't have any children of their own. They are getting old, and it doesn't seem like there's any hope that they will have biological children. So, Sarai gives her slave girl to Abram, so at least Abram can have children. Let's take a look and see what happens. After Abram had lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, 
her slave girl, and gave her to her husband Abram as a wife. He went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abraham, May the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my slave girl to your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abraham said to Sarai, Your slave girl is in your power. Do to her as you please. Then Sarai dealt harshly with her, and she ran away from her. Okay, let's pause here for a second. Relationships are always messy, as they say. Even though Sarai had given her blessing to Abraham and Hagar, it didn't quite work out. Sarai ends up dealing harshly with Hagar. So let's see what happens next. And I have a feeling there's going to be an annunciation. The angel of the Lord found Hagar by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave girl of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will so greatly multiply your offspring that they cannot be counted for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Now you have conceived and shall bear a son, and you shall call him Ishmael. For the Lord has given heed to your affliction. He shall be a wild ass of a man, and his hand against everyone, and everyone's hand against him. And he shall live at odds with all his kin. So she named the Lord who spoke to her, You are the God who sees. For she said, Have I really seen God and remained alive after seeing him? Therefore the well was called the well of the living one who sees me. It lies between Kadesh and Bered. Hagar bore Abraham a son, and Abram named his son, whom Hagar bore Ishmael. Abraham was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. So that story comes from Genesis 16, verses 3 through 16. I bet when you think of the Annunciation of Gabriel to the Virgin Mary, you don't think that the prototype for this announcement is the birth of Ishmael. But it is. And if we want to think about the announcement of Jesus' birth, we should begin with the announcement of Ishmael's birth. As we look at this one, what do you notice? One, Ishmael is conceived in the traditional way. There's no miracle of the Holy Spirit. Also, we should take note that the one who is to bear a son is a slave girl, an Egyptian slave girl that is a foreigner. She had no say in the matter. In other words, she is the weakest and most vulnerable person in society. Perhaps the only other person in society who would have less control over their life is a baby. Yet, despite being powerless, she does attempt to assert control over the situation. How? By running away. She ends up running away to a spring of water in the wilderness. This in and of itself, is an interesting bit of information. You may recall from an episode of this podcast a few weeks ago that the word for wilderness, or desert, in Hebrew is midbar, which literally means from the word. And yes, I think 
we can think of the Word of God when hearing the Hebrew word. And guess what? It's here in the wilderness that Hagar does hear the Word of God through his angel, which can also be translated as messenger. It's also noteworthy to hear that Hagar is by a spring of water. Of course, the wilderness, practically and geographically speaking, is a wasteland. It's where there is no life precisely because there's no water. Yet here is Hagar in the wilderness, and she does find water there. It makes me wonder, though, what exactly is this water? Is it H2O, or is this a metaphor for the announcement she's about to receive? An announcement that gives life. Perhaps the story is telling us that the living water that Hagar found is the Word of God. Now, bonus points are available for you here. Where else in Scripture do we hear about living water? And who provides that water? Okay, now back to Hagar and the announcement, which may be a bit disturbing for us. First off, the angel tells Hagar that she has to go back and submit to Sarai. Slavery isn't a common feature in our American world. Well, sort of. And with our American value of freedom, we may frown when hearing this part of the announcement. But this is part of the story. The angel doesn't just chastise her for running away. He also tells her that God is going to bless her by multiplying her offspring. Usually, when we think of this sort of blessing, a blessing for the generations to come, we think of Abraham and Isaac. Yet, here it is for Hagar and Ishmael. Sarai had acted poorly. Instead of having gratitude to Hagar for bearing a child on her behalf, her jealousy forces Hagar away. The story casts Abram and Sarah in a bad light. It's belittling to these two great biblical figures. However, God has mercy on Hagar, and it's because of God that Sarai's plan comes to fruition. Not only that, but God treats this slave girl with the same respect that he's shown to Abram, the great patriarch. God's care extends to everyone, everywhere, no matter what your circumstances may be. The angel then tells Hagar that the child's name should be Ishmael, which means God will hear. Yet we also learn that he will have a hard life. Everyone will be at odds with him. After the angel leaves, Hagar responds to the Annunciation by naming the well, the well of the living one who sees me. This is fitting. Remember, as a female slave, she would have been invisible in society. Yet, she was seen by God. She would have been powerless, yet God blesses her. No one would have cared much for her life, whether she lived or died. Yet an angel of the Lord spoke to her. And the story eventually ends with Ishmael being circumcised, even before Isaac is born. And this is a part of God's covenant with Abraham. In other words, God's blessing extends to Abraham's entire household, not just his immediate or biological family. Later, Jeremiah and then St. Paul talk about how God's covenant extends even to the Gentiles. But that's another podcast. Anyway, this is the first Annunciation in Scripture. This is the one the other Annunciations will allude to and the convention that readers of the Bible would have referenced 
when hearing other similar stories. Note the elements of the story. 1. The low societal status of the one receiving the message. 2. The location of the message. 3. The announcement of a birth by an angel of God. 4. The giving of a name to the child and the blessing that comes along with the child's birth. And 5. The response of the one who receives the Annunciation. This is just my list. What are key elements that you think are important? If you followed a link from one of my social media accounts to this podcast, you can comment and let me know what you think. So, what are some other Annunciations? Well, believe it or not, there's an Annunciation to Sarah, Hagar's mistress. Here it is. The Lord dealt with Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the time in which God had spoken to him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to his son, whom Sarah bore him. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Now Sarah said, God has brought laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. And she said, Who would ever have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. That's Genesis 21, 1-7. This one is a bit simpler. You could also argue that we should also look at earlier scenes when Abraham and Sarah are told that they will bear a son and laugh at that announcement. But for time's sake, I chose Genesis 21. Here God does what he says he would do. Notice that Abraham is not physically involved as he was with the birth of Ishmael. Isaac is born simply because God did what he said he would do. This is what happens with the Virgin Mary as well. No human male is involved. The Apostle Paul later talks about us being reborn as a matter of faith rather than physical conception. Note that This is a change in the convention, since for Ishmael, there was a human male, a father, involved. Also, the child is named and there's a response by Sarah, that is, laughter, which is the meaning of the name of Isaac. And of course, this son will also be a blessing. Now, there's one more Old Testament annunciation that I want to look at. This one comes from the book of Judges, and it's a little longer. The judges were people who led Israel after they were freed from the Egyptians. This was before the Israelites asked for a king. It was a time when the Israelites recognized that God was their king. If they needed a leader to rise up to deal with enemies, for example, God would find someone, which we call a judge, and that person would take care of the matter and lead the people. Otherwise, the Israelites lived without a human king. So, with all of that in mind, this is the enunciation of the birth of one of the most famous judges, that is, Samson. The Israelites again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hand of the Philistines for forty years. There was a certain man of Zorah, of the tribe of the Danites, whose name was Manoah. His wife was barren, having borne no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Although you are barren, having borne no children, you shall conceive and bear a son. Now be careful not to drink wine or strong drink, 
or to eat anything unclean, for you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor is to come on his head, for the boy shall be a Nazarite to God from birth. It is he who shall begin to deliver Israel from the hand of the Philistines. Then the woman came and told her husband, A man of God has come to me, and his appearance was like that of an angel of God, most awe-inspiring. I did not ask him where he came from, and he did not tell me his name, but he said to me, You shall conceive and bear a son. So then drink no wine or strong drink, and eat nothing unclean, for the boy shall be a Nazarite to God from birth to the day of his death. Then Manoah entreated the Lord and said, O Lord, I pray, let the man of God whom you sent come to us again, and teach us what we are to do concerning the boy who will be born. God listened to Manoah, and the angel of God came again to the woman as she sat in the field. But her husband, Manoah, was not with her. So the woman ran quickly and told her husband, The man who came to me the other day has appeared to me. Manoah got up and followed his wife and came to the man and said to him, Are you the man who spoke to this woman? And he said, I am. Then Manoah said, Now when your words come true, what is to be of the boy's rule of life? What is he to do? The angel of the Lord said to Manoah, Let the woman give heed to all that I said to her. She may not eat of anything that comes from the vine. She is not to drink wine or strong drink or eat any unclean thing. She is to observe everything that I commanded her. Then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, Allow us to detain you and prepare a kid for you. The angel of the Lord said to Manoah, If you detain me, I will not eat your food. But if you want to prepare a burnt offering, then offer it to the Lord. For Manoah did not know that he was an angel of the Lord. Then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, What is your name, that we may honor you when your words come true? But the angel of the Lord said to him, Why do you ask my name? It is too wonderful. So Manoah took the kid with the grain offering and offered it on the rock to the Lord, to him who works wonders. Then the flame went up toward heaven from the altar, and the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar, while Manoah and his wife looked on, and they fell on their faces to the ground. The angel of the Lord did not appear again to Manoah and his wife. Then Manoah realized that it was the angel of the Lord. And Manoah said to his wife, We shall surely die, for we have seen God. But his wife said to him, If the Lord had meant to kill us, he would not have accepted a burnt offering and a grain offering at our hands, or shown us all these things, or now announced to us such things as these. The woman bore a son and named him Samson. The boy grew, and the Lord blessed him. That is Judges 13. Did you notice some of the conventions we discussed before? Did you hear any differences? Did you hear any similarities? Again, we have an angel of the Lord appearing to a young woman to announce the birth of a child. We also hear about the blessings that will follow. In this case, the child will be the Savior to his people. Sound familiar? It should. And as we saw before, there's a response. There are common themes in this Annunciation, and there are variations. But I think it's important to note that they are, most of all, revelations of God in an unexpected place to an unexpected person. They are a revelation of light in a dark world. 
They are a revelation of blessings to come as a result of faithfulness. They are a revelation of God working to put things right and demonstrate His mercy, both to the characters in the story and to us. My question is, do annunciations still happen today? Well, I think if you read Scripture, then every time you pick up the Bible and start reading, there's an annunciation, a message from an angel of God right before your eyes. Until next week, God bless.